Welcome to Living Faith, the podcast ministry of the First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. Living Faith features the preaching and teaching ministry of First Baptist Church from our Sunday morning and evening services, as well as our Wednesday night Bible studies for students. First Baptist Church exists to glorify God by proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ so that the lost might be saved and the Christian might be equipped. God's primary tool for this kind of growth is the regular preaching and teaching of His Word. That's why here at First Baptist, our prayer echoes that of the psalm. Above all else, God's Word and God's name should be exalted. The message this week was brought to us by Reverend David Bond. Let's listen as he brings us the Word of God. You're not experiencing that perfect peace and rest at this moment. My prayer is by the end of the service you will be. And I know he's capable of providing that. Thank you, Randy, for the introduction, spoken like a true corn husker. They really do think that's God's country. Uh, if you've never been around many, we lived among them between five to six years. And uh, so uh, there's a lot of them uh, who in January wish they were in Florida. Uh, most of those folks go to Arizona or California or somewhere like that. We get the eastern uh, snowbirders, they are usually western snowbirders when they're able to retire uh, and, and go somewhere. But uh, I just want you to know that was spoken like a true corn husker. Back in the 80s, uh, I met my wife in, uh, at what used to be BBI. It was BBI when we went there. Then when we graduated, they had changed it to Baptist Theological College of Florida or some, some such. And now it's uh, Florida Baptist College. And so um, Pam was a native of Hardy County, as Randy said, and so I took her away from Hardy County in the late 80s, and uh, we started having babies and finished college, and, and I've been blessed to pastor and ministry in four states, and about two years ago, we found ourselves empty nesters, and I said, you know, it'd be cool to finish the course and, uh, you know, near your folks. My parents have passed, and I have family scattered, and we have some roots. Uh, she has roots here, so... Without a ministry assignment, which is a no-no in most people's thinking, but my thinking is God's got it. You know, God's got a plan. God knows what he's doing, and, and I don't want to be in such uh, uh, bondage to a church or to a place of ministry that I can't move when God says move. So we just up and moved to Hardy County, and uh, thanks to Pastor Galen, and, and I don't know if he's here today, but if you are, hello, and I'm on the... Um, uh, supply list for preachers in this area and so I've been blessed to preach you know quite a bit in this area uh, two to three Sundays a month sometimes and so I'm very grateful for that um, and so uh, uh, we're just glad to be back in this area uh, finding out what God's up to it's good to see Jim Wood and his wife and uh, the Brown family and maybe some others in here that we know I'm sure not many and uh and I, I, you know, I will let you know that um, uh, not, it's just not corn huskers who are obnoxious. I mean, I think after last night's game, the Gators might be a little obnoxious. Uh, I mean, they did come back and win that game, so I don't know if you're a Gator fan or not. And, you know, I'm a Georgia fan. <laughs> don't throw nothing. Throw anything. And I understand your former pastor was, but, you know, uh, we can be a tad obnoxious. Um, 
In case you're wondering, the Hardy County folks still haven't got over being beaten by Avon Park. And I know because I live down there and I hear them all the time. So it'll take another year probably for them to get over that. But isn't it funny how we can, can uh, get so excited about certain things? And I love football. We need some healthy distractions because life can just be tough. Life can be rough. You know, it's nice when a preacher can get a pithy saying or tell a joke or something before the service if it aligns up with the message. And I couldn't really get that today because storms just aren't fun. I'm just going to be honest with you. But they are a fact of life. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning are the storms of life. I heard a preacher say one time, you're in the, on the way to a storm. You're coming into it. <clears throat> you're in the middle of the storm. Or you're coming out of the storm. Or you're in the lull between storms. I like the lulls between storms. We never know how long that's going to go. They keep telling us we're going to have a major hurricane, right, down here in Florida. Years keep creeping by, we have it. Kind of got geared up for one a few months ago and it just played out. And I'm grateful that it played out. So if you're in the lulls, don't begrudge that. Enjoy them. For some people it might be a year, a month, ten years. Some people, their storm might last their whole life, depending on what the nature of the storm is. I don't want to mention a bunch of different possible storms because they come in many, many different forms. But they're real. They're necessary. They're part of the fall. But as he has done with everything, God has even redeemed our storms and will redeem our storms if we let him and if we see them from his point of view and if we, react, if we react to them the way he wants us to. Let's look at an occasion in the book of Mark chapter 4 where he allows his disciples, actually leads them into the eye of a storm. Mark chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 35. Through the end of the chapter. It just set the stage for you a little bit. He had been talking with his disciples and teaching them parables. And, and the way this would happen a lot of times is because the crowd was so great and the press was so strong. They would put Jesus in a boat. Peter being a fisherman, he always had a good sized boat available. And Jesus would stand in the boat so the crowd didn't press him. And then other boats would come alongside people that had boats. So they could hear better because the crowd may be so large that they had to truly strain to be able to hear. Another good thing about being near the water is it allowed sound to travel. And so it was really a good place for Jesus to minister. And so this was a setting uh, when he tells them, when he's done with this teaching time, he tells them here beginning in uh, verse 35, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care 
that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Oh, Father, just for a glimpse into what happened that day on that sea. Lord, would be a tremendous blessing to us today. And Father, as you allow us to look into this scenario, God, give us the grace to apply it to our situations. To look at our past storms and see what you might have been up to. To be able to handle our present storms, even as we heard Pastor Matthew pray about a storm that a family's in this morning. And any future storms that we may encounter. Might we truly enjoy and appreciate the lulls between storms. And we might rejuvenate our spirit man during those times. Might they not be times that we grow distant from you. But they, might they be the times when we draw nearer than ever. We thank you for your word. God, use your servant today in spite of himself. Bless your people to hear, to understand, and retain all that you have designed for this message to be. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before I launch out, I apologize ahead of time for the respiratory crud I've been battling. Brother Aaron has brought me water. And... um, This time last week, I don't know if I could have even preached. I did preach Sunday night for a friend, and we got through it. But uh, I don't usually sound like I'm drowning when I'm preaching. But you know, God's grace is always sufficient for whatever he has called us to do. And that's what I want us to learn in this today. The first thing that I want us to look at when we talk about storms is storms cause unhealthy distractions. Storms can cause unhealthy distractions. Distractions. Now, I don't have the time to get into theology of the sovereignty of God this morning. And who knows, I could stir up a hornet's nest lately with that subject in our convention. But I will tell you this, that, that um, storms can have different origins. Sometimes a God himself, like Jesus did today, leads you into a particular storm. The Bible is very clear that the enemy, Satan... Adam and Eve gave him some ground in the garden that gave him some authority in this earth. Jesus himself called him the God of this world. Um, There was a transfer. God told Adam and Eve to take dominion in this earth, to be fruitful, go go take dominion in the earth. They gave that to uh, the enemy, uh, to Lucifer, Satan, uh, different names, the prince of the power of the air, We know that this individual appears before God's throne based on the book of Job. We know that God is the one who brings up Job to Satan. It's not the other way around. But God allows Satan to do some very terrible things to Job's 
family and to his situation. We know that a lot of storms we bring on ourselves just because of stupid decisions, wrong choices that we make, ignoring the word of God. I'd say most of our storms come from that. (laughs) Sometimes we want to blame the devil on stuff that we did or blame God. But ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, uh, even though um, the enemy has been given temporary uh, authority in the earth, the first message Jesus preached was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he's the second Adam. He came and did for us on the cross and in his life, death, and ministry what the first Adam failed to do. And for all believers, his church, his body, we now have been given, we have now had restored to us the authority over the enemy that Adam lost. Problem is, most of us don't know it, and problem is, most of us don't walk in it. All right, so then when the storms come, sometimes we get distracted. But you just recognize and realize that the whole top of this idea of storms and where they originate, God is at the very top. The devil's on a leash, and you and I are are still under the, the loving grace and hand of God. Because if it wasn't that way, the devil would already killed every one of us. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And that more abundantly. So I don't want to get off in that a theological quagmire. But people get, get hung up a lot of times on whether God's for them or against them. So I just did want to briefly deal with that. But the first thing that we see can happen in these storms is we get distracted. And we can get distracted from our captain. Look in verse 35. He said, let, <clears throat> let us cross over. Let us cross over. Listen, friend, if you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you're never alone. They got distracted by the fact that Jesus was there. He was in the stern asleep on a pillow. He was out of the action. And they being fishermen, <clears throat> you know, they probably thought, well, I got this. Bring down the mast, boys. Take the sail down. Wind's getting up, waves are coming in. We'll just bail like we always have. And we got that. We got this. They kind of got distracted from the fact that he is with them. Listen, when Jesus gave the great commission, he ended it this way. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. The apostle Paul, when he described what happened To the believer, he said, I'm crucified with Christ. And that's what happened if you got born again. You were crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but you're alive. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. So there's somebody in you who's not you. And the Bible tells us that we have been granted the Holy Spirit to uh, take Updwelling in our vessel. As beautiful as all this is, this is not the church. This is the church. You're the church. And somebody's in you, and he'll never not be from you. The Bible says that no man can separate you from him. But sometimes I think when we get in the storm, we get in the bow of the storm, we forget who our advocate is. We forget that he's with us. Let God arrest you with the fact today that he is in you. You're his vessel. You are his boat. 
You are his, his house. You, you have him abiding in you. That will blow your mind if you think about it. The one who just spoke the universe. Galaxies that they're still discovering. Galaxies by the millions and stars by numbers that we can't even put a number to. And scientists are still overcome by the fact that they know the universe is still expanding and they can't explain it. That one lives in you. That one lives in me if you're his child. And so we need the perspective of realizing that he is in us. Don't get distracted from that. I mean, that's step number one. If you don't realize Jesus is with you, you're not going to survive a storm. Or you're not going to allow the storm to get you the benefit that it can bring to you. But secondly, we not only know, we not only get distracted that he's with us, our captain is with us. But we get distracted from our destination. He says plainly in verse 35, let us cross over to the other side. I got news for you today. If Jesus says you're going to the other side, you're going to the other side. Now in the middle of the storm, you wonder. Waves crashing, boats filling up with water. But he said you're going to the other side. Sometimes we can get so heavenly minded we're no earthly good, I heard someone say. But the older I get, you know what? the more precious heaven is. And the older I get, sometimes I think that I might have been better off as a younger person letting the reality of heaven press into me as I deal with life. Because I want you to know something. If I live to make, it, to make 100 and I doubt that I will, it is just a snapshot in eternity. That 100 years is nothing in light of a billion years from now, even a thousand years from now. And I'm going to spend forever and ever and ever and ever and ever in the glorious presence of Jesus in heaven with him. And that perspective can help you in a storm. Jesus told his disciples on one occasion, he says, fear not the one who can kill the body. Fear the one who can kill the body and determine your eternal destiny and so listen don't get distracted you need to focus on who's in you in the storm and you need to focus on the ultimate destination of the storm and it's going to help you deal with the storm sometimes we can get distracted from our companions verse 36 said there were other little boats that were with him Sometimes the best way to deal with your distract, with your storm, I'm sorry, is to look at the others around you. I know your deal's probably bad, or the deal you went through is bad. The deal you may face is bad. But I challenge you to find somebody. I challenge you to look around. Go up to the hospital. Go over to the VA hospital. Just get on Facebook. Think about what's going on with the folks at ISIS, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're no better than them today, though we sit in 
climate-controlled room on comfortable pews without any fear or danger of, be, of worshiping? I know some fool could walk in and shoot me right now because we live in that day and time in America too. But I don't really think about that. The odds of that happening are almost infinitesimal. If I said that right, I don't know. So I'm not really expecting a guy to bust in the door. They do. They know it can happen. There's a, how do you pray for those folks, Brother Dave? Do you pray that ISIS is destroyed? Yeah, and if I was president, they would be, though I'm not running for president. But you know, I pray what God prays. He prays for them to be faithful. God's kind of like my Old Testament professor. He never prayed, God give them grace to remember anything they didn't study or to do good on a test. He said, Father, give them the grace to recall all that they have diligently studied. (laughs) So if you didn't diligently study, you didn't get much out of his prayer, right? But my prayer is that his glory is manifested in them. Did you know there's a special prominence and function and ministry in heaven if you read the book of Revelation? I think about chapter 19 or 20. For those who've been beheaded for Jesus. There's an honor there. Doesn't make sense in the natural mind. I'm not signing up to get my head chopped off today. But they're in a circumstance outside of their control. They're in a circumstance outside of my control. But they're not in a circumstance outside of God's control. And my prayer for the martyr church is that they be faithful. And when I get to heaven, I plan on spending time of letting them know that I'm not sure I could have done what they did. We've got kind of a Western Americanized thinking about the gospel and God and what it's all about. But that's a storm that we hopefully in America may never face, though we might. So you can't get distracted from your companions. There's people in here with you. There's people going through stuff worse than you. There's people going through stuff less than you. And there's people that are going through stuff with you. Don't separate yourself from people. Even outside the church, there are groups of people that meet with each other, care groups designed around a certain storm they've been in. Whether it's drug abuse or alcohol or bereavement. Why are people drawn to them? Because we need each other. How much more so in the church? Find fellowship. Reach out. In the storm is when you need your companions the most. Then don't be distracted By the circumstances. Verse 37 said the wind and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Your circumstances can seem overwhelming, I know. There's there's hurt and pain right here in this room. I promise you. There's not a congregation in the state of Florida. There's not people hurting. There's not people in a storm. 
there's not people wondering. You know, this preacher's up here talking, but he really doesn't know my pain. He really doesn't know my circumstances. He really doesn't know my pressure. He really doesn't know um, what's coming at me with all four feet. I don't. But I know the one who does know. And you must somehow get beyond the circumstances and not be distracted from them so that you can begin to focus on the one who's going to get you through the storm. And then this last distraction is very, very important. It's what makes a lot of people stumble, and I think why a lot of people fall away from church. Don't be distracted by God's demeanor. Don't be distracted by what you interpret as God's attitude towards your situation. They said in verse 38, they woke him up. He's in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Jesus is just chilling. They're freaked out. He's snoozing. Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? Uh, he just woke up. Uh, something going on? And don't we do that in our storms? Do you see me down here? Do you know what's going on? Do you really love me? Do you really care about me? Do you not know the hurt, the pain, the suffering, the frustration? Do you care? Are you perishing? It's the same old lie from the garden. God's holding out on you. Eat that fruit. He says you can't have that one because it's going to make you like him. And it's really a whole lot better for you out there. And just eat it. You won't surely die. It'll make your eyes open and you'll be like him. He's just kind of holding out on you. Same old lie. Does God have my best interest at heart? That's what happens many times in our storms. Does God have, did God have Adam and Eve's best interest by withholding something? Does God still have my best interest as I walk through this storm? And you would believe how many, you would not believe, I'm sure you probably may, how many people believe that lie from the enemy. If God cared about you, so and so wouldn't have died. If God cared about you, you wouldn't have got that illness. If God cared about you, whatever, fill in the blank. I remember leading a little church through the study of Henry Blackaby's book, Experiencing God. And I'll never forget when we came to that part of the study where Henry Blackaby's daughter had come down with cancer. And they were in the storm. And Henry was fighting with God and wrestling with God about the situation with his daughter. And and wrestling with the love of God. And did God love him? And God spoke to Henry Blackaby and said... Henry, if you have to look anywhere except Calvary to prove my love to you, you're going to come up empty. 
God's love for you is not based on the level of your storm or your circumstances. God's love is based upon what he did on a cruel, rugged cross a little over 2,000 years ago. The one who could have swept us off into a devil's hell, decided not to, but implemented a plan he had before a plan was needed, and said, Father, I will go, and I'll become a man, and I will love them perfectly, and I will lay down my life to show my love, and I will take the nail-scarred, I will take the, the thorn of crowns. I will take the nails in my hand. I will take the cat of nine tails. I will take the spittle running off my face. I will take the plucking of my beard. I will take the beating over my head of a reed. I will take the mocking and the shame of being stripped naked. Lord, I will do that because I love our creation. Don't be distracted by God's true care and concern for you that he's boldly demonstrated and illustrated for us at Calvary's cross. Don't get distracted in the storm. Well, distractions can happen by the storms. And that's one thing we have to deal with. But a second thing I want to see is that storms expose our misplaced fears. Storms expose our misplaced fears. It says that they were fearful. Do you even care that we're perishing? And Jesus told them in verse 40, after he calmed the storm and said, peace be still, he said, why are you so fearful? Why is it you have no faith? I mean, Jesus really didn't cut these guys any slack. And sometimes he doesn't cut us any slack. Because your storm's designed for something. Storms always can be redeemed. And he said, hey, your fear was in the wrong place. You have no faith. Folks, faith and fear... Don't mix. You cannot be walking in faith and walking in fear at the same time unless that fear is in the proper place. And we see they got it. See, he was going to take this rough band of 12 guys. Maybe there were other disciples in the boat besides the 12. I don't know. But his plan was, I'm going to take these old rough boys and... I'm going to build my church. And the Bible said that they, the book of Acts, turned the world upside down with the gospel. But he had to train them. He had to get them through some stuff. At times he had to speak true to them. Even when, like the movie says, sometimes we can't handle the truth. And they got it because in verse 41, When Jesus said, why are you so fearful? It said, they feared exceedingly in verse 41 and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? That's when you know you got through the storm. 
That's when you know you graduated. That's when you know you learned the situation. That's when the peace of God that passes understanding can come. When you recognize that here is the one who can speak to a storm that's blasting from every side. And my fear is removed from that and my circumstances and my, fo- and my fear. And my fear is redirected to the one who can calm the raging around me. Who is this? They feared exceedingly, he said. Their fear, I think, exceeded the fear they had of the storm because now they knew they were in the boat with somebody who could control a storm. You must get that revelation if you're going to get through the storm and accomplish what God wants to accomplish in your life. Easier said than done, preacher. I agree. And I always got this right. Sometimes you're able to preach about stuff because you didn't get it right. Sometimes you got it right. But I want you to know something today. That the Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of of the Lord not that he's going to smite you down not that he does it's not a fear like you know if I don't line up and perform for God he's going to smite me that's religion that's legalism that's not a heavenly father my boys never doubted and Linnell either although I never had to get on to her like the boys that I love them because I disciplined them The Bible actually says that if he doesn't chasten us, we're not his child. And one of the very ways we know we're his child is he disciplines us. And he loves us too much to leave us like we are. So it's a healthy fear that teaches me the creator is my father, my Abba father. And that I walk in fear of him. Not that he doesn't have my best interest at heart. That even when stuff comes my way, he's got a design for it. To make me more like his son Jesus. Because ultimately that's the best thing for me in my life. It's not making a, a, a big paycheck every week. It's not having a set of circumstances that aren't painful. It's not notoriety. It's not, it's not um, power or influence. Success for me is being like Jesus. And having his life demonstrated through me. That is success. And that's what he's after in every one of our lives To produce. So it's a healthy fear of the Lord. And then lastly, and I'm not one of those preachers that closed a dozen times. (laughs) Storms equip us for ministry. We didn't read it, but look down if you would. I don't know if they're able to put it on the screen or not, but if you have your Bible, the very next verse, chapter 5, verse 1. Now you know in the Bible it wasn't broke up, it's broken up into chapter and verse. They did that so we could put an address on it, right? They did that so we could find stuff. It's not in the original manuscripts or in any copies that we have. (laughs) But it does help us. But I, I point that out because the thought continues here. I mean, this account is still being told into verse 5. And it tells why they went to the other side to begin with. Then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him a man of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. 
because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broke in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped. And to try to make a long story short, Jesus in verse 8 told the demon to come out, the unclean spirit to come out. He asked him, what's your name? He said, legion, for we are many. They begged him to be allowed to go into the swine. And they went into the swine. And the swine ran over the cliff and died. But the point I'm trying to make is this, friend. Storms are designed to equip us for ministry. You know, that was a frightful sight they saw. Here's a guy who would cut himself. Here's a guy who hung out in the graveyard. Can you imagine trying to have a funeral with this guy around? He hollered all night long. They bind chains on him. He bust them loose. He was uncontrollable. He terrorized that area. But when Jesus was still on the other side teaching, he had a lesson for these disciples to learn. And he didn't need them to be afraid of a crazed, demonized man when it got time to minister to him. Because he was sending them to a lost and dying world. And they were going to meet a lot of demonized people. And they were going to cast out a lot of demons. Jesus cast them out everywhere he went. And they were going to deal with some storms. And they were going to deal with some junk. And they didn't need to be intimidated when they got ready to deal with it. Not to mention the fact this guy just needed the love of Jesus to touch him. And he needed some folks equipped to deal with the devil. Now, I'm sure the Holy Spirit has applied this individually. But I want to take a liberty and apply it corporately. You're in transition days. Your prayer ought to be what Jeremiah prayed, that the Lord would send a pastor after his own heart. Not your heart, not the pastor search committee's heart, not some deacon's heart, not some litmus test you set for him. Because he's looking for corporate people, corporate groups of people, where it's a little know-nothing church down the road here in Avon Park or the big First Baptist Church of Avon Park. He's looking for somebody that'll go to the highways, hedges, and lanes and find these old boys and cross whatever sea it takes and go through whatever storm they have to go through and deal with the junks of life and other people's life to get to them and rescue them. And this is a great time as you transition. Your pastor, whoever you call as pastor, is not the solution to that. You need as a church to have that heart. And God will call you the kind of pastor that make a difference and bring forth ministry, kingdom-shaking ministry, earth-shaking ministry in Avon Park, Florida. So the invitation today as the musicians and Music leader and all who are part of invitation today make their way. 
is simply this. How do we respond to God? Well, we just respond how he tells you to respond. I'm sure a lot of us have some distractions. This is a great time to to just confess that distraction to the Lord. These steps can become an altar. This front pew can become an altar. I'm up here. I'll pray for you. Young people, you know where your pastor is if you're more comfortable with him. If you're more comfortable with a deacon, someone you know, search them out. They'll pray for you. But use this as a time to make the necessary adjustment. Whatever the Holy Spirit spoke to you. Make that adjustment today. So that your storm can accomplish all that he wants it to accomplish. And then you just may want to come and pray for the direction, the corporate direction and, and uh, of what God wants to do. For your fellowship. Come and pray for your church. Come and pray for your church to be that kind of church that can make a difference in this community. Not that you aren't. Not that you haven't been. But to a degree that I think maybe you have never seen before. Times are bad. Times are perilous. But folks, we never possibly never lived in a greater time for the gospel to be effective and to see souls swept into the kingdom because they're in a storm. And they need somebody to give them some guidance to Jesus in the storm. These are exciting days to be a church. These are exciting days to be a preacher. These are exciting days to be a believer if you don't focus on the circumstance. And you focus on him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, even now as people are standing all over the congregation. Lord, I pray that they would not hide behind a pew. Or in a hymnal. Or behind a song. But that, Father, they would be yielded to your Holy Spirit. To make whatever decision today they need to make in response to your word. We love you. We give you this time of the service. Do your supernatural work in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. That's all for this edition of Living Faith. Stay connected to the teaching and preaching ministry of First Baptist Church by subscribing to this weekly podcast using your computer or mobile device. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. We meet every Sunday for worship at 10.45 a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. We invite you to join us if you don't currently have a church home and are looking for a place where the Word of God is proclaimed with power and clarity. You can find access to all of this and much more by visiting our website at fbcap.net. We look forward to connecting with you. Until then, this is Living Faith.